Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I am Sean, joined, as always, by my brother, Ian. Again, Ian, we're not alone. Introduce the guest. We are very excited to introduce Sportsnet record, uh, reporter extraordinaire Kyle Bukaskis. What's up, my man? Thank you so much for coming on. We feel uh, we're pretty excited about this. I'm excited to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. So, Kyle, you're a kid from BC. Mm-hmm. How the hell did you get to ice level for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Walk <laughs> us through this. <laughs> well, it's it's a long story, so I won't bore you with with all the details. But uh, yeah, I, I grew up on Vancouver Island on on the west coast, and um, you know, as a kid, played hockey predominantly. And um, it's funny, like when I was in middle school, I think my first passion in terms of a career was uh, acting. I love Jim Carrey and and the the shtick that, that he had and has. And uh, I wanted to do what he did. And then, you know, as years went by, I kind of realized that, you know, having a successful career in, in that field was easier said than done. And um, those that do make it are few and far between. And, um, you know, I grew up like a lot of kids my generation watching uh, Jay and Dan every morning on uh, on mm-hmm. TSN and, and on Sportsnet. For us out in, in BC, uh, there's a guy, he still works in radio in Vancouver now um, in sports radio. Uh, he used to work for Sportsnet for a lot of years, Don Taylor who did the highlights there. And he actually, you know, for a few years did uh, the color commentary for the EA Sports NHL games in the early 2000s too. Anyways, he was like, um, I'm trying to think of, uh, like a Jim, Jim Taddy. He was like our Jim Taddy. Like he right. had all the kind of catchphrases that, uh, you know, that were so exclusive for those that watched out on, on the West coast, uh, that we grew up loving. So between those three guys, I mean, I watched them every morning, any chance I could. And, uh, it just seemed like, you know, how could there be a better job than this? They look like they have so much fun. There's a comedic element to it. And they're, they're talking about sports for a living. So that's kind of where the fire started uh, for me uh, to pursue this field. And, uh, you know, I interned at uh, my local radio station there in, in town when I was in high school just to get a feel for, for the industry. And then went off to, to school uh, in Calgary at the Southern, Southern Alberta Institute of Technology for a two-year broadcasting program. And uh, loved it. Had, had just a, a blast there. You know, met a lot of really great people. Um, loved living in in Calgary on top of everything else. And um, it was during my second year there, I, I met with someone that um, I didn't know at the time. Uh, her dad uh, back then uh, was the news director at at Sportsnet, and so we got put in touch. Um, you know, initially, I was just kind of thinking. Because uh, I had been working on a demo tape, it was you know time to start applying for right. some jobs. I just had right. a few months left in school, and uh, I just thought, man, if I could get some sort of feedback from somebody in, in that position, that would be the the coolest thing. And uh, so anyway, so I sent it off, and and he got back to me a few days later, and uh, said some encouraging things, and just going to ask, you know, what my plans were going forward. And and at that time, I, I had none. Like I had a practicum still to do, but you know, other than that, I was still I was basically you know two and a half months away from needing to work the school was going to be done and so uh, a couple of days after that I got an email out of the blue from from Scott Moore who at the time was uh, the president of broadcasting for Rogers Media and and he said you know we want to bring you out to Toronto for for an interview and, and an audition and so um, yeah I just I'll, I'll never forget the, the feeling I had reading that because it just seemed so unfathomable um, you know, you just, you, you hear about everyone has their own journey of getting into the business, but certainly, you know, nothing like that. Well, I was still in school at that time. Um, but, uh, but that's kind of how it started for me. You know, that, that was the first big moment of like, you know, holy smokes, you know, maybe, you know, the, the dream that I had of working in sports, maybe it's, it might actually come true and then come true 
a lot quicker than, than I initially anticipated. Um, so I went out to Toronto a few months after that, you know, around June, early June, uh, interviewed with several people, did an audition in the studio there, met with uh, some others and kind of waited over the course of the summer to figure out, you know, uh, what they were ultimately going to do with me. And uh, by mid to late August, I got the word that, all right, we, you know, we're going to move you out to Toronto. And uh, October 1st, 2013 uh, was my first day at, at Sportsnet. And uh, I've grown a lot and, and got to be able to do a lot of things uh, over my time uh, with, with the company. And, and, you know, now here almost seven years later, I'm very fortunate to be able to, to have done things like, you know, ringside host uh, mm-hmm. for the Toronto Maple Leafs on, on Saturdays. And then, you know, of course, much different circumstances here uh, this summer with uh, the uh, the summer Stanley Cup playoff format in, in the two bubble cities, but uh, to be able to, to cover it in some capacity, uh, I feel very fortunate. Well, I, I can only imagine, I can only imagine what it felt like to get that email, to get that email and knowing that your, your journey was, you know, sort of getting started and everything that you worked for was, you know, was happening. I think that's, that's awesome. I can only imagine. Do you remember what went through your mind when you got that email? Well, yeah, I just, so me and a couple of buddies, we were, it was like a Saturday afternoon. We had gone up to Edmonton, um, the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology was doing, they used to do every year a broadcast workshop where you'd go um, hang in a a lecture hall for a day. And they had people from the industry, usually locally that year, actually, George Strombolopoulos was a panelist there, but you know, they talked about different things. Um, they took questions from the audience and then you broke off into groups, you know, you're able to do some radio stuff or if you wanted to do like a news read on camera with a teleprompter, you could do that and get some feedback from people. Um, so just like a one day thing. So it was fun. Like you go down on a Friday, go out Friday, do the thing Saturday, go out Saturday, have a good time and then drive back groggy on Sunday. Um, so anyway, so I was sitting in the lecture <laughs> hall when, when I got the, the email and I'm, you know, sitting next to my buddies and I'd shown them my phone, like, are you reading what I'm reading? And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, calling my parents immediately afterwards and, and telling them the news and like my voice is shaking as, as I'm telling them, I just, anyway, I, you finished the lecture. Completely, well, I, I didn't want to leave part way through. Been rude. Oh, come on, Kyle. Oh, I would have been, been like, <laughs> I'm out of here. See ya. <laughs> uh, no, no, I had to respect those that had come to speak to us. So yeah, I ended up just having to wait to, I don't know, whatever it was, another extra half hour, but it ended up working out in the end. So do I have this right that you grew up a Ducks fan? Yeah, actually, yeah. Paul Correa was my favorite player. So at least like so long as as he was there. And then, you know, summer 2003, he ended up signing in, in Colorado. So um, from when I kind of knew what hockey was up until that point, uh, I was all about the Mighty Ducks. Well, a pretty great friend of ours is a Ducks fan. And I can honestly tell you, there's uh, he's watching Vancouver right now. And he doesn't sleep great knowing that Travis Green could have been the coach. So I, I was just curious if you felt... Uh, you felt that sort of angst when it comes to watching the Canucks now, seeing what uh, what Travis is doing there. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's great for like I, I you know met Travis a couple of times and, and he's been so good to me and, and such a good person to deal with. So I mean I I'm I'm a fan of the guy and him and, and Paul of course were, were teammates in Anaheim and we're really tight. Oh, very are, true. Good. Yeah, call. we're still very good friends. So um, you know it's funny like I grew up on the West Coast, but. Uh, you know, a large part of my childhood, I spent, you know, despising the the Canucks. Right, um, right. I was like the lone, you know, first it was a Mighty Ducks fan and then later a Flames fan um, in and amongst all the other Vancouver fans. And, you know, you certainly felt like you were on an island. Um, so it was great when I moved to Calgary to go to school because I'm like, oh, like it's... I'm home. I'm with my people. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so so that was kind of how uh, 
how that was for me in terms of where my allegiances uh, sat as a, as a kid. And of course, it's different now working in the business. I mean, I love watching Vancouver play. Right. They're such a fun, oh. exciting team. And then it's funny. So I like Kevin BX is working on our, our panel here. And I was visiting with him a couple of nights ago. And so I finally broke it to him. I'm like, no, like, I, I hated the teams that you played on in Vancouver growing up. Like I hated you, right? Because all the girls loved them, right? Like right, right, right. handsome guy, good players and stuff like that. And, as a 16, 17 year old, he was just like, enough, enough already. Um, so it's funny how the, the world works sometimes. He's and really you, good, you, by the way. He's yeah, really good. He's scary good. Yeah, yeah he's really like, good. Scary good. Natural, complete natural. Totally. Can you, can you still be a fan? I, I'm a fan of, of games. I'm a fan sure. of, of the drama and the unpredictability, um, you know, so, but in terms of, you know, what I was as, as a kid, like I'm, I'm not sitting there hooting and hollering no, over no. a certain team, but um, yeah, I, I certainly don't allow myself to, to become jaded where I'm going, well, I've seen this a hundred times, you know, it's the same old story. Like I, I love being surprised or being pleasantly, you know, naturally amazed by, uh, you know, the games and, and the skill that we see now and the speed at, at which is, is, is played. So from that standpoint, I absolutely am a fan, but just not for specific teams as I once right. was. Kyle, game. you're, you're a reporter. You're a fan of storylines now. Something. Just yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Totally. Uh, so, but you, obviously you're a reporter now, but you've done some writing as well. The Bukowskis notebook uh, is something that <laughs> we very much enjoyed reading. And we went back and read quite a few of, of those in preparation for this. Obviously, there's differences between reporting and writing. Did you find one came easier to you than the other? Was talk to me a little bit about that. Um, yeah, it's like last season. I just that was something I I just kind of started um, just to be a little bit more involved and just a, a right. different platform to to experiment with and and to try. So certainly, the TV reporting comes more naturally just because I've done that for for longer. And the more expanded writing like I was doing there in, in the notebook, um, you know, it was just something new that I, I really liked doing because it wasn't like a full column where I'm, you know, slapping an opinion on something like it was just kind of little tidbits here and there, things that you you see over the course of uh, your week when you're at the rink or, um, you know, maybe stories that you wanted to tell throughout the broadcast on a Saturday that you just weren't able to get in and you still thought, you know, there's an audience somewhere that, that may right. find this uh, entertaining or interesting. Um, so I, I enjoy that. It, it allows you just, it's a different platform, different medium, of course. And, uh, just, it allows your, a different part of your, your mind to, to try to be creative and to tap into that a little bit. I think it only makes you more well-rounded as, as a broadcaster or reporter, um, all of that. Uh, I really liked it. So, and we, when we were doing a lot of, you know, we want to make sure we're prepped for this and, you know, we're looking back at, you know, um, all of the, all the success you've had and everything like that. And we found an elite prospects page um, that, uh, that, yeah. that you're on there. It looks like midget AAA from 2010, uh, 2011. Yeah. Um, so it looks like, so it looks like you played a little bit back in the day. You, uh, you still get out there or, or have you, uh, have you hung them up? So I, I don't know how that page got created, right? Like I, it's I, amazing. I never, by the I way, never it's an amazing. elite prospect, uh, <laughs> so, but I, I just played, yeah, I played, you know, midget growing up uh, as a kid and then, I mean, the thing is that, yeah, like, I guess for the majority of the years there, our team was considered like a triple A AAA program, but I mean, we were a fairly small town, only 35,000. So when we go to Vancouver, you'd go play teams mm -hmm. um, from other cities that have much bigger prop populations and have more players to draw from, from their triple A team. 
uh, we didn't fare too well, uh, <laughs> but it was I, obviously I, I love love the competitive part of it, the the team aspect of it all, and and for a lot of the years we were we were quite lousy, but uh, my second year of midget there we we had some success and and won the island championship, and so that memory you know come on forever. Um, so that was that was kind of the high point of of my life playing hockey, and now I mean I I wish I played more. Um, I still got my gear with me, obviously, and every now and then, you know, maybe you get wind of a, a shinny game to go out, right, right, get a sweat in for for an hour. But um, it's just tough to commit to like a, a men's league or something, especially during the hockey sure. season where it's yeah. so all over the map for me. You just pay whatever it is to to get in, and you only make a third of the games. Like it's just it's tough to justify. So I wish I could play more than than I do. So Kyle, it's uh, it's November. It's Saturday night. The the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing the Montreal Canadiens at Scotia Bank Arena. What does your day look like? Well, uh, in, in normal times, I mean, it's, it's just a full day of thinking the game, thinking hockey, right? I mean, um, so it's normally, it's a two-day kind of process. We're really all week, you're ramping up to, to Saturday. But, you know, I'll get to Toronto on, on a Friday if the Leafs are practicing um, or potentially could practice on a Friday. I'll fly in early so I can go to that and, and talk right. to a player or two and uh just get a sense of, of what's going on and then usually i'll come down to uh, the cbc building and, and check in with with our producer shirelli najak who's in there you know on on fridays and we'll sit down in his office and kind of go over initially some some storylines um potential things we could be doing uh, in the game and then you know wake up saturday morning in the hotel room looking over uh just the different uh clippings from uh the the day before and you know, get some breakfast in at some point. Walk over to the rink for for the skate in the the morning. Even though you know most teams don't skate on on game days as much as as they used to, but there's usually something going on. You hear from the coach and maybe a player or two, and just make sure you're you've covered off all your bases. You're not missing anything. And maybe there's something new you learn in the morning that can add to the the list of stories that that we have to choose from come game time. Um, so once all that's finalized, and then we kind of have a, an idea of, of what we want to do for that night. Um, I had to make my way back to the, the hotel, stop for a, a booster juice smoothie along the way and, um, you know, just get plugging away in, in my hotel room and just, you know, getting all my stuff uh, in order. I'll just kind of make kind of point form for each story that we have of, you know, different points that I want to hit if we get to, to put it on the air. Um, and then around that time again, it's time to you know get ready, shower up, put the suit on and, and walk back down to the, the rink and um, I usually get in, you know, for a seven o'clock game, I'll get in between four fifteen, four thirty. It depends. Sometimes we'll have, you know, an arrival interview to do with, with a coach or a player that you got to be there a little bit earlier for, um, cause you want to get them just as they're getting into the rink or coming off the bus and then allows them to, to do their routine before a game. Um, we, you know, go over all of our elements between, you know, myself and, and Jim and Craig up in the booth, like all the different, um, you know, packs that they call of, um, different highlights from, you know, maybe a player from his games during the week or, um, here's a shot of, you know, Matthew's goals from the season, or here's a price saves pack or graphics that we have potentially to be used in game. And then my stuff as well. Um, and then, you know, pregame show six thirty. again, depending on the week, sometimes I'll have a hit into that. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, a pre-recorded interview we already did that runs then. And then, uh, seven o'clock, you know, you're, you're ready to go. And Ron McLean does his open and, and throws to you at the rink and you've got your 30, 45 seconds, whatever we're doing that, uh, that week to, kind of set the game up and you know we, we call it our, our commercial right like how do we sell the audience on on tuning into our game tonight and right. uh and then it's you know right national anthems and and it's game time so uh it's it's a full day of of hockey and and by the time that the game is done you're like all right that was 
that was an honest day's work. But uh, <laughs> even though even though it's it's not work, right? Like it's in the grand scheme of things. But uh, you know, certainly a lot of time is is spent in just trying to get everything you can uh, prepared for for a, a broadcast. And you know, some nights I get in three times, sometimes I get in eight times. Right? It just depends on how the game flows and what makes sense from a production standpoint. Uh, it's just you never know what you're going to get every game, which is part of the fun. So one thing I've always admired about you, and I'm not just saying this to butter you up because you came on the pod, you know, I, I mean this honestly, you know, um, you've always found a way to remain super professional throughout your interviews, even if, you know, maybe guys aren't being forthcoming with answers. I get it. You know, it's a heat of, heat of a battle. Sometimes, sometimes it's tricky. What sort of mode do you get in, in situations like that? Like when you go into, when you go into um, interviews and things like that, how do you maintain your focus if maybe you're not getting the answers you anticipated? Yeah, I, I guess you just try to go in with the mindset of, of expecting the unexpected, right? Because mm. sometimes, um, you know, they can, they can go in directions that uh, <laughs> you certainly never expected it would and you got to adjust. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, body language obviously helps, right? Trying to, to read that. Um, because usually like when they, they come to you, there's, you know, minimum five, 10 seconds of, all right, players here, cameras, got to get the focus, everything lined up, right? Ready? Yep. Hear me in the mic and three, two, one, go. So kind of in that time, you get a sense because whenever a player comes over, I'll always say, you know, Hey, you know, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Um, and kind of how they react to that gives me a sense of this is how the interview is. Oh, like, smart. Smart. Um, yeah. Like sometimes they say, yeah, no problem. Or sometimes they won't say anything and they're just thinking, game or they're they're mad because they you know a bad period or whatever it may be they just don't want to talk to me they don't like doing interviews whatever it is um so i mean you, you do your best right you're, you're trying to to get something out of out of the interview not from like a gotcha sense but you know just try to um you know ask some sort of question that you, you get a, an answer out of your your guests that you know if someone's kicking around during the intermission that's going to watch it they go oh all right well i I'm, i learned something here right uh, so it's it's just everyone is is different usually and the players for the most part are, are good but um just to, you know in the times where in, when you catch um you know a player that's just not not in the mood or um whatever it may be and and sometimes you know i the interview will i go oh geez what, what the heck was i doing asking that question that didn't work at all um you know you just just learning experiences uh, along the way so hopefully over time maybe one day i'll, I'll get half good at this <laughs> well i think you know it's funny because you know, Greg Popovich sort of has made that famous, right? Sort of making it tough on uh, on people asking the questions, you know, uh, either at halftime or, you know, before the start of the fourth quarter. So I've always been interested to how people handle that because they're so professional when it could be really easy to just sort of like, just be like, okay, Pop's giving me a hard time. Let's go, you know? So I've always right. found that interesting. And I think, you know, and you mentioned, um, you mentioned how it's a bit of a feeling out process. Are there times where you try and, you know, maybe challenge the guests to try and get the best out of them? Is that something you sort of rely on instinct for? Or are you, you know, are you sort of feeling out the process as best you can? Yeah, I, I truthfully, I, I wish I did it more. Um, I think too many times I'll, I'll just kind of back off and kind of go, oh, this guy's not feeling it. So let's, let's let him get out of here instead of, you know, just pressing a little more and not mm. crossing a line or anything. Right, 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 um, right. But, but just trying to be like, you know, like what, what are you really thinking here? Um, you all have a job to do, right? And yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I, I, you know, there's times where I go, I, sh I should have pushed a little bit more there than, than I did. I shouldn't have you know let them off the hook so easy. Um, but uh, again, that just, yeah, it comes with comfort, comes with time. And, 
um, yeah, just your, your ability to kind of trust yourself to, to push through and in those moments. You've been doing this for a long time, Kyle. And, uh, this yeah, year, weird. <laughs> well, especially when Ian found out you were younger than him. Yeah. That, that was a good moment for him today. But, uh, you've been this year, there was a very unique, uh, experience or moment that happened that you were very much a part of. And that was the David Ayer story that happened mm-hmm. at Scotiabank arena. Where does that rank for, wow, I can't believe that I'm here for something like this. And I'm literally talking to this 40 plus year old man who is soaked in the best moment of his life right beside me. That was actually epic though. That, as a, that, as a Leaf fan, it was crushing, but uh, yeah, but in the moment it's great. It was, uh, it was right. I think at the top, like, I, I don't know if there's going to be a night that that'll top that in terms of you know, who in their right mind could have ever predicted this. Not only that, I mean, geez, you get to the emergency backup and he's a 42 year old Zamboni driver and then he wins like all those for all those things to happen. Uh, you know, there's a reason why it, it, it doesn't happen very often, why it's so unique. And so, uh, that was, that was at the top for me. Um, and so like, I mean, it was a cool night anyway. So I mean, Rod Brindamore, the coach of the hurricanes, him and I are from, from the same hometown. Um, so I, yeah, so I, I know, know him a little bit just through that. And so, you know, being able to, to work a game that, that he's a part of, like, that's kind of cool for, for me. Cause of course, you know, I was the kid that, that grew up, you know, I said, I was a Paul Korea mighty ducks fan, but like mm-hmm. when, when they went on their run to the cup in 2006, um, you know, all of Campbell river, well, you know, right, for the rest of the country, right. we're going for Edmonton. Um, we were all in on, on the hurricanes yeah. because, you know, we knew if they won, that's amazing. where was the Stanley cup coming? And, you know, surely enough, about a week after they won, he brought it to the, Campbell River and you know, every old towns down there. So that connection there, I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool that Carolina's playing in Toronto on a Saturday and I get to work it. And then the way it all unfolded, like it was one of those stories where, I mean, even the people that are not hockey fans that don't really care what's going on in the sports world are like, hey, did you hear about the Zamboni driver in Toronto? Like, <laughs> it was one of those stories that completely transcended that went beyond um, you know, the, the sports fan, well, he was everywhere. Fodder. He was all over different, right, different forms right. of media. He was on, I can't remember the things that he was, I think he was on Stephen Colbert or something like he was everywhere. And it's like, and the whole you tour. got it. You got it first, Kyle. He's there. Oh, yeah, right. It's funny. And then again, like he, everybody's your own worst critic. Like the days after that, I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, I should have asked this. I should have asked that. I should have done this differently. I should have known to do this. Like it was like total, right. Like you're going back in your head going, what could I have done different? Uh, your humility is getting you in trouble right now. Cause we, I've watched that interview like five times and it was, everything was in there. You got the girlfriend comment in there on Twitter. Like I, it, everything was, was working. Well, and I think too, I think, you know, you, you got to give yourself a lot of credit because it was his moment and you allowed it to be his moment. And I think, you know, that's, in a way, like that's sort of your gift, point. Yeah, you know, point. I mean, it, he, you know, you're watching that interview and you're like, I love this guy. You know, you're like, I don't know who he is. He just beat right. my favorite team. And you love this guy because you allowed it to be his moment. So no, you got to give yourself credit for that. Um, yeah. Well, thanks. It's just, it's always, yeah, that's a good thing that I try to keep into perspective too. Whenever you're interviewing somebody, like I know outside of my mm-hmm. parents, you know, nobody else is tuning in to, to watch what I have to say, right. It's, it's the guests that we have here. They're, they're the stars. So, um, it's just for, for anybody that, that wants to get into the, the business of, of reporting and interviewing and stuff like that. I think that's always something to keep in mind. Well, it's like what you see with the best play by play guys, right? I think, uh, I actually think Jim Houston's really good at this is something amazing happens. He calls it and then lets it breathe. 
right? And I yeah. think, you know, that's like, that's really, really a gift. Um, the, the one thing I did want to ask you about the, you know, you have to do those, the ones in intermission. And I'm sure someone's asked you this before, but I'm going to ask you it anyway. Did they reek? Because like you watch the David Ayers interview and that guy's just like drenched. Okay. <laughs> and I get it. Like, you know, you're in an NHL game, you're 42, like you never expected it. Like I'd be drenched too. But did, are you're standing next to these guys. You're just like, yo, like you really reek. I love my job, but like, I need a shower after talking to you. Like, did, do they, did, do you, are you just, you're so in the zone. You just don't notice. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, some do, some do. It's a little more noticeable. Some have like, the breath isn't that great. Uh, Come on. <laughs> I've had, yeah. I mean, they're playing a hockey game. True, like, so true, 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 true. They do have, yeah. They're not gargling mouthwash in between periods. Um, so I, I don't blame them for it, but sometimes it's a little more evident. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time you just try to, I mean, it's not something you think about or certainly not going to de- deter me. Um, you're a professional they, Kyle. You're yeah. Professional. Good for you. Yeah. I mean like certainly like it's funny uh, uh, the, the post game interviews, you know, usually that uh, will sometimes take a couple extra minutes because the player will go into the room first and the coach will come in and say, all right, good work boys. See you on the plane in an hour. And then they'll come out with, you know, whatever half three gear off or something. And uh, usually in those moments, you know, I'll, I'll stick my hand out to shake their hand and say, Hey, you know, thanks very much for, for doing this. And I know, um, most players just don't think about it and do it. And, but, uh, like a few times, like Carrie Price in Montreal will be like looking at me going like, you sure you want to shake my hand? Like I just <laughs> oh, played gloves. Out, played out. Right, 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 right. But I'm like, no, it's fine. And of course now in like today's 2020 code yes. world, I'm like, what was I thinking? But <laughs> it was a different world back then. That's, that, I can't even imagine now what it's going to be like with COVID. Like that's such a, that's such a weird thing to think about in hindsight, right? Oh, there's um, so many things, right? Oh God, I know. Category. Um, so you've really become, you've really turned yourself and had, and have this amazing career going. You have this really, really amazing path ahead of you is, has there ever been a time where you're doing an interview or you're doing a TV hit or anything like that, where you sit back and you're like, mom, I made it. Like, do you ever have that like moment where you're just like, holy shit, like this is unbelievable. Yeah, a lot. I have not so much the feeling that I've I've made it because you know you're always working towards like you're right. Like I'm very much the same way as you know maybe a not so much a player's mindset, but just you know you're only as good as your last show, right? Like you can't hang right. your hat on. Hey, I'm here now. Um, you're always trying to evolve, but uh, you know certainly there are moments where you catch yourself going like you know how how in the world did I end up here? Um, you know being in. Vegas for game five of the cup final and then seeing the cup handed out. Like that was the first time I'd, I'd seen that in, in person in Vegas of all places. Like I just remember walking down the strip earlier that day going like, I'm, I'm in Las Vegas walking in 32 like, degree heat. Like we're going to go watch the cup get handed out here tonight. Most likely like who in the right mind would have thought that. Um, so it's just stuff like that where, yeah, you find yourself going, how in the world did, did I get here? You know, from yeah, a small town on, on Vancouver Island to you know, one of the, the biggest moments the cup. of the game every year. That yep. yeah, the moment that it builds to every season. Um, it's it's really 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 cool. I never lose sight of that. We mentioned COVID, and because of that, the entire NHL is currently in a bubble. Two, one in Toronto and one in Edmonton. You are stationed in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. Well, you, I, I'm, I assume you are covering the East. You're not in the bubble because I asked you that beforehand. So how are you communicating? How are you getting the information for your hits? How, how is this working for you right now? It's a challenge, right? I mean, so much of the stuff that we try to would 
build um, for storylines for a game each week would be, you know, just little stuff that I'd ask a player just to the side at a stall in the dressing room, you know, maybe we see a conversation he had with somebody or just little things like that. That you say, you know, Hey, what was going on here? And, and hopefully you get an answer. Um, but you can't do that now, right? Like everything is over zoom. Everybody's getting the same clips. Everybody's, you know, you get one question. Um, maybe if you're lucky, if they have time for you, you may get another one later on. If everybody else in the list have gone through, um, like it's just, it's, it's difficult for, for us, it's difficult to, to, you know, to stand out and to be, you know, somewhat unique and fresh because everybody's getting their stuff from, from the same place. So, uh, it's just been a, a good challenge, a welcome challenge just to, to go through some different avenues to try to contact some, some different people to, to get a different perspective on, um, you know, maybe a, a potential story that you're looking at for, for getting into the game. But, um, yeah, otherwise it's just, it's, it's, it's very much all, all the same, which. Um, I hope it doesn't continue this way for a lot longer, but but obviously for for now this is our only option. So you've got to adapt. You're very glass half full. I love that. You're turning COVID into a positive. I, I need to I need to like hang around you more often. You're so positive. Um, and speaking of that positivity, back in July, I think you're on Sportsnet 650, um, and you really expressed optimism in the NHL's plan. And I think that was really cool because so little was known, but you know. Just Kyle being such a believer. And sure enough, it's been fantastic. You know, not only is the product amazing, but the, you know, the, the bubble itself, if, you know, is holding. And you mentioned that provided they can get all the players in, that you felt there was a real shot to pull this thing off. So first of all, you called it. It's going great so far. Um where is your optimism now? Are you still feeling great about how everything's holding? Yeah, I, without actually being in the bubble and being able to see right. how everything's going, right? Like we're we're getting the the report every week from the league, right? As mm -hmm. since they've got into the bubbles, there hasn't been one positive test, and we you know the numbers have only gotten smaller, right? We started mm -hmm. with twelve in each city. We're now down to four. Um, within a couple of weeks, it'll just be four in one hub. Uh, in in Edmonton, and then you know, and it seems like they're they're trying to get this done as as quick as possible because everybody's realizing how you know mentally demanding it is on on those that are in the bubble every day, and for the players that go on, I, I just want to play, right? The less time they're spending sitting around thinking about how they can't really go anywhere, probably mm. the, the better. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's like the Boston Tampa series. There's potentially two back to backs in in this series. Um, so right. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they. How the players kind of respond from a pretty condensed schedule they're looking at here for for the second round, and that'll, that'll likely dictate kind of how they schedule the games for the final two rounds. Um, but I, I I do like their chances. Like as things go along here, like there's nothing to so long as they keep the protocols in place that uh, that they've had. Um, there's nothing to suggest that that this won't get get done. And no, I I will say as much as you know, I, I wanted to be optimistic that this would happen. There were times along the way in May right. and in June where I, you know days you'd wake up and you're going, there's no chance that they're going to be able to get this in. Right. Right? You're looking at other stuff going on around the world and you're thinking, how are you possibly going to get a Stanley Cup playoffs in? Doesn't matter what kind of bubble they're looking at. But again, me not not an expert, just kind of looking at what else right. is, is right. going on. That's just kind of how you, you felt some days, but. Um, credit to them and and you know you, you said it the the product has been really good as much oh, as this phenomenal. is difficult for the the players and being away from their families and being um, all bunched into together in these bubbles uh the 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 way they've competed has been really entertaining for me 
So I, I'm a I'm a hoops guy, big hoops guy, and I think one of the things that they're talking about with their bubble is how travel is affecting the play. And you just said it, you know, how great the product's been. Do you think that that is a big contributor as to why these guys look so good? Yeah, part of it's travel. Part of it's you know they've been off for four and a half months, True. right? Like they're they're all they're they're fresh for the most part. Um, there'll be some some nicks and and injuries and bumps along the the way here for those that that go deep uh, over the next few weeks, but. Um, for the most part, everybody was able to to get healthy again. So you're feeling good about yourself physically. And, um, you know, certainly the, the crispness wasn't there right away from, you know, the passing and, and just being in the right spots that you would normally see after having 82 games to kind of right. find that, that level. But certainly, as as, as we said, the, the intensity was there, the physicality, um, you know, the, the playoff hatred we, we've seen lots. Um, so it's just good. I mean, again, like it's, I, I'll tell you, I've been in the building, you know, obviously a few times covering games there. And it, it is weird. Um, as much as I enjoy right. just the piped in crowd noise, just to kind of feel that it's there, yeah. um, looking around and just seeing nobody in the tarped off seats, um, no real buzz walking into the building. There isn't fans walking around all excited about right. that night. Like there's no anticipation. The concession right? smell. Exactly. There's <laughs> right. no anticipation. Right, right. No, I get there's it. nothing. Like you just, the lights come on, the there's players show up and, and they drop the puck. Right. And so, um, for, for them to be able to play at the level that they have, as I said, uh, full credit to them. And what's great is then at least if you're watching on, on TV and, and even for my time in the building, like when the game is good and it's exciting, like you kind of forget about all the other stuff. You're just going, we've got a great game here, right? You, you lose, you lose sight of the fact that it's in an empty building and all the other, uh, things that have been going on that, that just make it these playoffs. So unlike any other one that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it is like any, nothing we've seen before. And that has to come with production issues and and complications for what the company is trying to do for putting a product on television that is that is as appealing as possible as if there are fans in the stands what things do we maybe not see from a production perspective that are extreme are, are maybe different from what they would normally do or trying to combat some some issues that they're facing with this this situation well it's interesting because they've got like a world feed set up right now in in both cities right so um the one in toronto is run by you know NBC production staff and mm-hmm. in Edmonton it's it's Sportsnet production staff and so for them like it's just you're cutting the game from a neutral site right like you're you're not thinking about leaning one way or another it's just what is the game telling me and you're showing replays based on how the game is is playing out um and so you know you're I don't want to say you're limited because there's been a number of different camera angles they've introduced. I mean, I'm sure you've noticed the, the Jitta camera they've had. that has been able to kind of float around and hover over the, the ice, that angle that they've gone to a lot of times. I mean, that's not something we got a lot. There's a couple extra handhelds, um, I think closer towards the blue lines there on, uh, on the camera side that obviously you wouldn't be able to put there because there's people sitting there normally. Um, so from that aspect, I mean, you're just getting a couple different looks of, of the game that you, you wouldn't otherwise see. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, a lot of it's the same, obviously the fact that, um, you know, it's just going to be in two buildings and you're not, you know, the production costs aren't, uh, about travel and, and moving people from right. place to place. Um, you know, having the ability to, to incorporate some extra, you know, super slow-mo cameras and stuff like that makes the, the replays look a little sexier than, um, I mean, we're used to seeing that in the Stanley Cup playoffs cause all that stuff ramps up a little bit, yeah. uh, but we're really seeing it here now. So just those little things like that, uh, I think uh, add a little bit, uh, to just the, the overall viewing experience. And it'll be interesting here. I think when you get to the conference final and everybody moves to, to Edmonton, you know, NBC will have their truck. Sportsnet will have their truck. 
and you can kind of do your your own shows like you're you're used to doing rather than just being somewhere you know more so just kind of straight down the middle so that everybody's got a little bit that they can pull from um we'll look forward to that well and i did have one last thing regarding you know how the whole return to play has gone because i think one of the i think one of the concerns was obviously you know player fitness um and obviously from home you know we're watching and you know the tv product they're putting on is unbelievable the players look great um are are you seeing that too that guys really look like they're firing on on all cylinders you know have guys really played themselves into shape or are you sort of getting the impression that these guys came in and they were ready to rock yeah i i think they were i mean it's a, another good reminder that you know these are elite athletes for for a reason right and even True. with the condensed training camp and certainly a lot of them would have been able to get back on the ice and and to do a bit of stuff before obviously there was the uh the, the phase two and the small group workouts and then moving to a full training camp True. Um, True. True. Mm-hmm. but even even saying that right like as as a group not being together for that long before all of a sudden you're playing for those that were in the qualifying round games that where your season was on the line out of nowhere um you saw how quickly some of them could dial it in i mean the, the defensive uh commitments from the likes of the islanders and the blue jackets you know right away to be able to lock down and and to play that style uh, it's very impressive right so i, I think um you know as much as uh you know the players well deserve their their time off and and certainly they take their off season regimen very seriously and certainly more now than than they ever have before um i think it just again was a good reminder that uh these are these are elite athletes and and they don't need a lot of time to to get back clicking again cuz as we've seen here in in august uh, the games were pretty good right off the hop they really were Sean, if you took 4 months off from playing hockey how long would it take you to ramp up 4 years <laughs> well, and you may if Ian gets a job in, obviously a little brotherly love here. They they uh you mentioned the defensive schemes by Columbus and the Islanders. And as a Leafs fan, that's what I was so excited about coming into this was like, okay, we see this at the beginning of the hockey season. A lot of times it takes coaches a little bit of while, a little bit of time to get their players bought into their defensive hold the hold the fort style and Mike Babcock hockey and the whole thing, right? And you so I figured, okay, well, offense skill should at least early prevail. It's interesting that you brought that point up, and and we've seen that from those two teams, and in particular the Islanders who are killing it. But we've had you here for almost 40 minutes, and we haven't asked you about a single game yet. So let's ask you about some hockey, Kyle. Play-ins and playoffs, as we've said, have been incredible. What are some of the biggest storylines for you so far as we are a game or two into the second round? Ooh, well... Biggest ones for me, I mean, the run that Vancouver's been on uh, from a Canadian viewership standpoint has has been huge. Like, I mean, I don't know if you're going in, if you were to pick which of the the six Canadian teams that started out, which one have gone the longest? Would many say Vancouver? Uh, maybe like they they had Vancouver a pretty and Montreal, <laughs> right? Yeah, like they were the fact that they were the last two. Certainly not Montreal, of course, right? But um, you know, the fact that they're going on as as long as they have, it's it's been really great to entertaining to to watch. Um, this whole Vegas thing now, even though the team's playing well, but uh, you know the tweet from Alan Walsh and now. Oh uh, my God! What a mess! And Robin Leonard, crazy. Like it's 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 crazy. Yeah, like I mean they're 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 a team that could win the whole dang thing, <laughs> and they've got this going on. So um, it's so very that, NBA-ish. That is something that that is something like Jimmy Butler would subtweet someone. Like that is so NBA-ish. I you're so right. That. You're so right. Yeah, it was so not hockey, but uh, it made for again great conversation and, and great fodder. So. Um, I mean, that was an interesting one. And, and, you know, I think, um, you know, I, 
apologize for for to you guys and and for Leaf fans that are tuning in. But you know, honest to God, the, you know, the Boston Bruins, a team that you know they had an unexpected departure in, in Tuka Rask, and um, mm-hmm. Craig Simpson made this point a, a few times. You know, your team that you go all the way to Game Seven of the Cup Final. Game Seven is played in your building and you lose and to find a way to get the motivation and the drive to climb back up that mountain again and to be the president's trophy winners when everything came to a halt in, in March and you lose your number one, your Vesna trophy finalists um, early in the first round after kind of wa- wading your way through the waters of the, the round Robin and to look at, you know, how well they started off against Tampa. I mean, it's just, it's a credit to it's absurd. Standard. It's absurd. It's absurd, but it's it's just it's it's again like a tip of the cap to the guys that have been there that long, from Zdeno Chara to Brad Marchand to Patrice Bergeron, right? We know all of David Krejci as well, who's had a marvelous playoffs. Um, I, I just think it's it's really impressive for them that that year after year, and I, especially spending you know a bit of time around them the last few years, particularly in the playoffs, where I mean there were times where you had their blue line was just decimated with injury. Um, they had banged up guys up front, like whatever was going on. And they were just still winning hockey games. Like they just were like, no, we'll, we'll figure it out. We're good. Uh, I just, that's a huge testament to to what that uh, core has, has established there. Um, it's interesting. And then, uh, you know, like Bruce Cassidy was saying a couple of days ago, like even a guy like John Moore, who's probably their eighth defenseman, unless a couple of guys get hurt, probably isn't playing these playoffs. Um, you know, his work ethic and, and the, the way that he sets the tone for the other scratches um, it's just, it is second to none as the coach was saying. So you've got him on one end of the spectrum and then you've got, you know, Chara, Marshawn, Bergeron at the other end. So wherever you fall somewhere in there, like you've got on both ends, guys doing whatever they can to, to stay ready and stay sharp. So what are you doing if you're not doing the exact same, right? Like, I just think the, the, the culture, and as I said, the standard that has been set uh, in, in that dressing room for a lot of years now. Um, you know, it really speaks to the success that they just continue to have uh, here now in August. Well, that culture, stuff matters, right? Culture. It Leaf matters. Fan, Leaf fans are sick of hearing about culture, Kyle. Come on. We, uh, a little bit right, but they Boston's got it, right? <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> they got it. So we, so Sean and I sat down and we thought about five ridiculous predictions. And we're going to throw them at you. And I want you to rank them from possible possible to impossible, to you guys are stupid, I'm hanging up. So we have five of them. Okay, I'm going to start with the first one. Okay. I have Vegas going to the cup final. Possible. Possible. Very possible, yeah. It, this is hockey. They're all possible. David Ayers won a goddamn hockey game this year. No, but that's like, that's like very possible. Very possible. <laughs> Yaroslav Halak will be the best goalie in the second round. Ooh. Yeah. Possible. <laughs> Certainly not impossible. Um, he looked really good last night. Sure did. The New York Islanders, and this has nothing to do with what's happening in tonight's game. This was written before. The New York Islanders will beat the Philadelphia Flyers. Clearly, it looks like that is Yeah, possible. no, it, it's possible. Like, there are two state <laughs> teams. Like, it's yeah. just who's going to score first, and that team's winning percentage goes up by a bunch on that given night. Marc-Andre Fleury will not see the net for the rest of the playoffs. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to, wow, geez. I'm going to say, I'm going to say not possible because, again, we talked about the condensed schedule. There's going to be some back-to-back in there where you're going to have to go from. And I think they're going to be hanging around for a bit yet. So he's going to see the net again. Kyle outsmarted us, Sean. He outsmarted us. Uh, Last one. 
the Colorado Avalanche will be eliminated in this round in less than six games. Oh, well, going in, going in, I would have said not possible. Right. But right. With Grubauer hurt and don't know about Eric Johnson. Uh, right. Yeah, that's the other one. It's ah, possible, but I, uh, I still. They're so good. It, it, so it, good. Hurt, so good. it so hurt good. my feelings. It hurt my feelings typing that. It hurt my feelings. <laughs> I got a bonus one for you, and you can pass yes. if you want. Mike Milbury will be back to call a playoff game this playoffs. Uh, not possible. <laughs> okay. I'm glad we got the not answer. Possible. So, no. Kyle, we have to ask you. Leaf fans. We, a lot of them listen to this thing. Okay. And we're, we're Leaf fans. My brother's a fake Leaf fan. I am like, uh, you know, can't talk for 24 hours after they lose type of Leaf fan. Okay. What, did you, what did you see this year? What's your take on the season? Uh, I just, it was a big disappointment i think at the grand scheme of things unfortunately right like um just felt weird from from the jump right I, like you make the the trade for for tyson berry who i mean that great guy obviously it seemed like you know he got along with with uh, everybody in that room there and it just never fit like even after the coaching change a little bit of a spark but obviously it just never worked like he was down in the third pair by the time we got to these playoffs in august um and you go down the list from there like the Marner contract negotiations, even though it didn't go as long as Nylander's did, there was still kind of a dark cloud over it all. Um, you know, Jason Spezza being healthy scratched. Uh, yeah, the, the, city turned, the, the city season. turned on Marner pretty quick, eh? Right. And I'm, I mean, I know maybe didn't have the, the type of numbers, the type of performance, uh, at least in the playoffs here, that um, many expected him to. And certainly now that he's he's being paid like a superstar. Um, but, you know, I, I, I still like him a lot and it's clear that that Kyle Dubas and I think that organization does too um but just and you go down from there right obviously you make the coaching change and then there was some you know glimpses of brilliance under Sheldon Keefe but that was the thing all year like there were just glimpses glimpses of it and then it was three or four games again where they're going is this team even going to get into the playoffs um so once again I mean it seemed like the perfect perfect matchup against Columbus in the sense of like, all right, if you really want to prove that, that you're a better team than what you showed up until March the 12th, like here's your chance. Here's a perfect matchup to, to prove just that. And they, they couldn't do it, right? It made it really interesting with that comeback in, in game four. And you, you wondered if that was going to turn it all around and maybe a deep run was going to come from it. But um, then it, did, you know, it just didn't happen. I mean, Austin Matthews had a wonderful year. He was the best player in the playoffs. For sure. Um, and it just, but by and large, like this, they were, they were a team that just, I know up against a very good defensive team, but still just weren't dangerous enough for a team that's, that's built to score. Right. So when you're built to score and, and you can't, uh, that's when you run into trouble. And once again, it's another, well, I mean, technically not even a first round exit for them, you know, they can't get out of the qualifying round. So now there just seems like a, a lot of question marks for a team that was, you know, kind of, it was going like this over the last few years. Um, it seemed like a, just a real disappointing step back this year. So um, there's going to be some some hard hard talks and you know some hard truths I think for this team to face as this off season, whatever it ends up looking like, uh, gets going in full swing. Well, I think there I think it, there's there's going to be hell to pay. I mean, I think that's I mean how bold they go, we'll see. But you mentioned the comeback, you know, and and <laughs> Sean actually said it before Game Five. It would be the most Leafs thing ever to have this amazing. Amazing, amazing comeback. Like it broke your brain. Honestly, it did. 
Oh, yeah. And to have that and then to come out the next game and completely poop the bed. And that's exactly what happened. And I think that it was the most leafy thing ever. Did you get that feeling too? Just, you know, sort of being around or did, did you really think that game five was going to go either way? I, yeah, I just, I didn't know. Right. I just, who I couldn't tell you what it was going to do to Columbus after being that close to, to winning. And then now you've got a whole nother game to, to worry about. Um, but obviously they're a team that, that can handle a lot. Um, and I just, it was interesting, right? Like uh, Sheldon Keefe went back to that, you know, that all-star line with uh, Tavares, Matthews, and Marner, mm-hmm. and they kept running them out and, and they generated a lot of zone time, yeah, but just did. couldn't score. Right. And then down now, all of a sudden you're down two goals. Um, just some you know, bad decision-making on a couple of players parts there that allowed Liam Foody to come in and score sharp angle there and that was just oh. you, you knew it was done at that point right <laughs> right like even after watching the three goal comeback two nights previous you knew yeah. that was jam done for the series so um I, I didn't know what to expect going into to that game um you know certainly you allow yourself to to think like well may, maybe this team has has figured it out but uh, once again they were reminded just to, you know how resilient this columbus team is and and they were not going to simply roll over and Toronto couldn't find a way to They score. just seem broken. Like God, the Leafs just sort of seem broken by the end of it. Such a microcosm of their season was that five games. Right. Dud, dominate, collapse. How did they do it? And dud. And it wasn't even dud. I thought they played well in game game five. They played well enough to win. No. But so no. So the they didn't play well. needed to win. Yeah. They needed to win. Yeah, I know. Oh, You're I'm such sorry. a Leafs God. homer. No, it's just. Right, but you're, I think you hit the nail on the head. Right, all year we saw glimpses. We saw glimpses yeah. in that series, but not enough to to win. So we got two more questions for you, and okay. then uh, and then we're gonna get to our final thing, which is quick hitters. So Ooh. my only question is about the, again about the Leafs. This off season is, is imperative for them. It's imperative for a lot of people, people's jobs. Um, the the core that's still here is obviously reaching their prime now, or is already there. Some of the players that are under contract are kind of plateauing off of that, so or reaching that that peak. Where do you see the changes this offseason? Because there's going to be some, but where do you, where do you see those changes? Yeah, I, to me, I'm like going. You're not trading Matthews. You're not trading Marner. You're not trading Tavares. Um, don't think you can trade Morgan Riley. Um, no, please, not, please don't. Please not trade, don't. Not trading Jake Muzzin like you just extended them. Yep. Um, outside of that. Uh, I mean, obviously there's a few others like, you know, don't touch Zach Hyman, like those type of guys. Um, but other than that, like, I think there's a lot of players that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're going just to see what, what the market might, might Mm -hmm. be for them. Right. I mean, obviously the cap situation is even tighter for them now than, than they originally thought it was, was going to be. Um, and I just, it was interesting in Kyle Dubas's, uh, kind of postmortem there when he said, you know, you guys all think that I just have one one vision, one singular way of, of doing things and kind of hinted that, you know, just, just when you, if you think that that's kind of how I operate, um, you know, I, I'm a guy that is constantly evolving. So um, perhaps we see some, some moves made that, you know, maybe aren't typical Kyle Dubas type moves um, that would, you know, favor the, the analytical type um, mm. mindset or, or, or thought process behind it. Um, we saw a glimpse of it, you know, bringing in a guy like Kyle Clifford, but you know, those two obviously had a history dating back well before uh, both of them got to the NHL. Um, but it's just that listening to that was kind of going, all right. I mean, this is, we're at a stage now in, in this market where talk is cheap. Um, True. So we're, we interesting to see kind of what, what the action ultimately is for, 
a GM that uh, clearly is, is, and I got a lot of respect for, for how he goes about things, right? Like just because um, other people say it hasn't been done before that, that doesn't deter him, right? If he he's, believes in um, right. whatever his, his philosophy and vision is and, and he sticks by it. And I think you've got, you got to have some big brass ones to be able to do that. So, uh, but how he's done things and constructed the team to this point, hasn't worked so how he goes about adjusting i think will be fascinating to watch well and i think you know the, the the most admirable part is that he stands up there and takes his lumps right i mean you know and obviously that's part of the job of being a gm but i think at the end of the year you know do i love that he said hey we're not trading mitch martin under any circumstance i, I think you got to be open to everything in this gig but i love that he stands up there and takes his lumps because that just must have been a really really terrible day so um the the, the last non-leaf thing i want to ask you the Washington Capitals, mm-hmm. to watch your former coach that you won the Stanley Cup with just bulldoze you. If I'm a Capitals fan, I am so mad. Okay, I'm so mad. I went on a Twitter rant about this. But <laughs> what what direction do you go if you're the Capitals? I, I don't know. I mean, it was hilarious listening to Brian McClellan say, you know, we need to get a coach with experience. And I'm thinking... You know, he just had one. <laughs> Barry Trotz had a bit of experience, if I recall. And he's pretty good, uh, eh? Yeah, and, and he'd won a cup for you. I mean, it was it was an interesting... I mean, clearly, the just following that team on the run, like the writing was was on the wall that um, you know, they weren't going to... They were not going to extend him. Mm-hmm. And then they end up winning. And I just think of, you know, you go down the list of the amount of coaches that had gone through Washington during the Ovechkin era from, you know, Bruce Boudreau to Dale Hunter to Adam Oates. And, Great point. Uh, right. And then you finally got a guy in there where the, it, it clicked, right? They won. Um, they got over the hump. And it didn't happen right away under trots, but, but eventually it did happen. And then it's like, all right, we're going to change it again. Uh, well, I think to go, to go for trots to go to that particular roster. And sort of mold it from like this, you know, this offensive, you know, QT team to like a freaking juggernaut. And, you know, part of that is the moves they made, obviously. But, you know, they became a, a team that played in all zones. And that, that's just something that didn't happen before. And to let that guy go, I just, I just don't understand. Right. Yeah. Well, analogy I heard, it was that I thought was, was good. I mean, Todd Reardon, because he was the assistant, he was kind of like the substitute teacher that comes in, uh, okay. right? When the usual teacher is, is off yeah, 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 yeah. for the week sick. And you never really take them seriously because you're like, ah, you're going to be gone in a week anyways, right? Like you're, <laughs> you're not the real boss here. Um, so yeah, it just, it seemed like, I mean, they still had some pretty good, two good regular seasons under, mm-hmm. under Reardon, but uh, it was two first round exits um, after it. So, um, I mean, it was, it was a quick decision, obviously, certainly under these circumstances to, to make a change behind the bench. So uh, we'll see. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of names out there from Laviolette to, um, a Gerard Gallant. I can't see a guy like Mike Babcock going there, but um, you know there are names of guys that have been around this league for a long time that uh, are currently not employed. Gotta be for sure. It's got to be tough because like y- you, you just won the cup, and now you have this new guy coming in, being like, "This is what we're going to do to win." And they're sitting there like, "We, we just won." So that's got to be difficult on the players. But Kyle, we've taken up enough of your time, so let's do quick hitters. All right, what is this? What is quick hitters? I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know. Quick hitters is uh, it's it, ten questions that we ask you that you can either say an- answer the question. Mm-hmm. It's like yes or no. 
Uh, you can pick one, you can say both, or you can say neither. So you can pass if you want, but it's just like- if you're uncomfortable, first, you're uncomfortable, pass. It's like first thing that comes to your head, like offended. it's very quick. Like we don't have long drawn out explanations unless there's something that really, really hits a nerve. You can, you can expe- extend on it, but it's very quick. So are you ready? Yep, let's go. This is cool. What's the most nervous you have ever been on TV? Oh, geez. Most nervous. Man, this is supposed to be quick. This is slow hitters. No, that's okay. That's okay, <laughs> dude. Uh, man, the most nervous, probably the first time, like first live hit on sports. Yeah, I was doing, uh, it was like the blue Jays season ticket holder event. Oh, interesting. Rogers center. It was like Paul Beeston, Alex Anthopoulos, John Gibbons were all taking questions from the season ticket holder for the regular season. Um, so like Anthopoulos did like a media veil earlier in that day. And so I'm standing at the Rogers Center and did like a live hit into, well, this is what Anthopolis says ahead of the Blue Jays season. And that was my first ever like live hit into Sportsnet. And yeah, that was just a total almost blackout and just start going. And yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully it all works out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was probably the first one was the most, that was most amped for. So you mentioned you played growing up. Mm-hmm. So my question is when you were growing up, what song needed to be on the pregame playlist? Ooh, good question. <laughs> uh, those days, I don't know. A good like sandstorm by Darude would just get you going. Like either that or Welcome to the Jungle. Like yeah, yeah, there yeah. Um, actually, it's funny that my junior B team in my hometown they were called the Storm, and they came out to Thunderstruck by ACDC for every home game. And so that was the coolest thing as as a kid. Once the the guitar riff hit in that in our old barn, and the team came out, that that got the juices flowing too. Is a haircut every two weeks too much? Uh, for me, it is. I don't go every two. I'm usually about every three. <laughs> I was so, I thought for sure, I, sh- I thought for sure you, like, I thought for sure it was going to be the answer is no, it's not too much. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm like a once a week, once every two weeks guy. So I'm, uh, uh, oh, yeah. I'm definitely, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm you do it yourself? Do you have like the con or do you go in? You no, go I go in. Oh, I go in. When I, I used to live in Portland, Oregon, I was like, I don't know. 25 steps from the barber so oh easy yeah easy um this one i this one it isn't really a quick hitter it just it just i don't know sometimes it makes me sad why does everyone hate nickelback so much i don't know right i love those guys look i'm never hey am i gonna put them on my playlist maybe not okay are they the worst band ever like people make it sound it makes me mad and sad I, i just think ah i don't know maybe radio killed them like just because I mean, like how you remind me came out like it was on all the time, all the True. time, and so you know, over time people go enough of this already. But but I'm a fan, yeah. And Alberta's own. Who speaks more in interviews, Hamilton the pig or Brad Marchand? <laughs> uh, well, I guess it depends uh, what day it is. But, uh, Marchand's been good to listen to. He's an entertaining guy. He is. But Hamilton will have a soft spot in my heart forever. That's awesome. So you're a BC guy, hiking yep. and fishing. Um, I mean, probably fishing. I didn't do enough of it as a kid, but now, so now I'm going. I want to like anytime I go back now to visit family, I want to. I want to fish. Who are the meanest fans on Twitter? Um, on Twitter, I don't know. It's hard to say, but growing up, Canucks fans for sure. <laughs> uh- uh better suspension bridge elk falls or capilano Ooh, uh that's a good one i mean the bigger one is capilano 
but Elf Falls is good too. Like it's fairly the way they've done it. They redid it a few years ago and made it look really slick. Um, but well, Capilano is more historic. I think it's it's been around longer, so I'm leaning that way. Better playoff goal: Iserman versus the Blues or Korea versus the Devils? Uh, well, it's funny. Like, I mean, for me, Korea versus the Devils. But unfortunately, like when I was a kid, and that happened. I'm like, my hero is a god. Like, nothing yeah. can hurt him. Your off brain the broke. Flo- off the floor, on the board. Yeah. Right, right. And then I don't know. Like, remember he did a few interviews there before he got inducted in the Hall of Fame, and and he talked about you know that high, he has no memory of, oh, right. of that game, oh, right? Like right. just like yeah. the the concussion that oh, that, yeah, that, that was there, of course. Um, and just the obviously his history of them, right? And and the the effect that that had on on the length of, of his career. Uh, yeah, I look tough. at that at at in a different light now. True. Um, uh, but uh, you know. Certainly, in the moment, as someone that remembers watching that as you know a ten year old, um, that was that was the one for me. The I think Gary Thorne, by the way, I think he had both calls. I think he had the Eisman yes. one too. Um, I have yes, a bonus. He, yeah, I think he did. I think yeah. he did. I think, I think and he did. Bob Cole did both as well. Oh, legends. Uh, I got a bonus one, and then Sean's going to finish it off. Who is the best coach in the NHL, and why is it Barry Trotz? <laughs> uh well why is it very trots i mean clearly it's funny like you hear different coaches talk about how teams play for the most part so similar nowadays mm-hmm. um and there's not a lot of secrets there's so much video there's so much data and so much information so how do you get the most out of your players how do you get them to believe and buy into what you're what you're trying to tell them and uh, they know that you're just not another car salesman. And I think <laughs> he's he's got the the ability to to do that, right? And and how he he handles his, his players. Certainly, there's there's a caring element and and just someone that you, they know has their back. Um, and I think a lot of the better coaches are, are like that too. Um, you know, Travis Green, another one in Vancouver. Some tough love at times, certainly for for some players. But um, you know, there's a reason behind it. And at the end of the day, I think he's got his his players. Um, he's got his best interest in them. So. Um, I mean, you know, not to be biased, but I think Rod Rindmore falls into that too. You see oh, he's awesome sure too. They, they have for them and, and the way he speaks about his players. I mean, how could you not want to play for a guy like that? So um, I think that's what sets at least today's coaches apart from, from the rest. I mean, obviously there's some little things uh, tactically that um, can, can pay off in, in certain spots, but the ability to, to trust your players and, and to, to have them believe in you uh, go a long way. Well, and I think if you're Brindamore too, it, it sort of helps that you're more jacked than your players. Right, right, right. Like you're you're out lifting them in the gym. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, take like, notes. You're, you're taking a day off today, Brian. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. So the last one, by the way, apologies. This is the longest quick hitter segment we've ever had, and it's because we just picked <laughs> just absolute juicy questions. Last one. Would you come on? This pod- good. Would you come on this podcast again? Yes. Perfect. 100%. Kyle, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on. Make sure that you're following Kyle on Twitter. And if you honestly turn on Sports Night, you're going to see him on there and you're going to enjoy it. It's going to be a great, great time. Kyle, thanks so, so much for coming on. Sean, Ian, it's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Ian, oh, it, it was a blast. Thank you so much for coming on. And I just want to, I, I just want to sign up today saying this. Today is uh, August 24th. Today is Kobe Day. Um, I just want to say to everyone out there today who's still mourning and still struggling uh, with the tragic loss of everyone that day, um, you know, we're all still feeling it. But today, in honor of Kobe, I want to encourage everyone to celebrate him today. I want you to go back, watch your favorite buzzer readers, look at pictures of him and his family, look at him holding, you know, championship trophies, celebrate him today. Uh, Kobe, we love you. 
good night, everyone. Thank you. Uh, thank you for listening.